Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're talking Batman the Animated Series 30-year anniversary. This is part one. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smith and Reigns. And I'm Clifton. So like I said, this is going to be uh, part one, but quick heads up. Uh, part two won't be dropping for two weeks. Why? It's because D23, the big Disney convention, is next week, and we're anticipating a bunch of new trailers and news and stuff to react to. So next week, we're going to cover that and then come back to Batman Animated Series week after next for part two. Sorry, I know it's weird, but, uh, you know, we didn't want to be late on anything. So um, anyway, Batman, the Animated Series premiered September 5th, 1992. This week, 30 years ago today, uh, when we were recording. Uh, considered by many to be the definitive version of the Dark Knight in any medium, Batman the Animated Series was developed by Bruce Timm and Eric Radomski. Both had been developing a pitch for an animated Batman separately at WB, Warner Brothers, and were actually put together by executive Gene McCurdy. Animation journeyman Alan Burnett joined the fray, and Paul Dini came on board to help co-write the series Bible with Tim and fellow writer Mitch Bryan. Bryan would also write the pilot on Leather Wings. 65 episodes were initially ordered to qualify for off-network syndication on Fox Kids and acted as the first season. Fox quickly ordered an additional 20 episodes for season two, but rebranded the show as The Adventures of Batman and Robin in 1994. Batman the Animated Series would go on to win four Emmys and would launch the beloved DC Animated Universe, a.k.a. the Timverse, with Superman, Batman Beyond, and Justice League Unlimited following. So we're going to explore just what makes this show so special and enduring after 30 years. So let's get into it. Yes, <laughs> this show is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's been awesome. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's one of those things where we're starting from the beginning. I remember early on in Wizard, we, you know, Wizard Magazine, that's how far I remember back, was in Wizard Magazine, there was like, um, in the early days, there was a, 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 a like a preview article, Not didn't have any art but it had like a lot of mentioning. I think it might've had like, a, like backgrounds or something, but it had a lot of like the cast list. And I remember this is like, this is how early it was. It mentioned the fact that like Tim Curry was going to play the Joker. Right. Obviously he doesn't go, doesn't go on to do that, but I remember reading up on it and I was kind of excited, but I was kind of like, well, you know, we'll see, you know, if it's going to be anything. Um, and then <laughs> I remember watching, watching the initial episodes when it aired and being blown away at how well, how well it captured. Um, now I know it's and it, it's I remember seeing on Leather Wings first like because I remember it ran like on the day, which was I guess September fifth was a Monday. I don't remember. Obviously, it was thirty years ago. Does anyone know for sure? Did anyone look it up? It was a Saturday. Oh, it was, it was a Saturday. Saturday. Okay, I, so I, remember, I remember. I remember specifically it was a Saturday. Okay, so it was a Saturday because so, I remember it was one of those things <laughs> where like they had like the commercials for it ran leading up to it but i don't remember any of the commercials i just remember like they had the like the teaser commercials of like this is what happened on batman the animated series and this is what we're going to do tomorrow kind of a thing does anyone else remember yeah. those so this this was kind of this is where the 65 episode order initially comes in like i mean it's worth pointing out that like this show did new episodes every day when mm -hmm. it was running right, right. so right. it would so so the premiere was saturday the fifth and that was cat in the claw part one right where mm -hmm. it gets confusing as to like pilot and what aired first and some people like like frank like you were saying like you saw on leather wings first because they were running sunday night in prime time ah. uh like like in the beginning also and so a okay. lot of people like that's where they saw on leather wings first Okay. Right. Because they missed right. it Saturday morning or something. So it was it, like I, I remember even like going to school and talking about it on Monday and, and people having like seen different episodes. Uh, OK, gotcha. <laughs> you know that's, what I mean? That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. But you were into it right away. Yeah, I remember. I remember it was one of those things of, of you know, again, this is long before the Internet and DVR. So it was I remember recording it, you know, on the VCR to watch it. Um. But yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was one of the, it was one of those instances where I didn't have. I mean, when, when you when you come from the time of like Super Friends or the filmation Batman that we had before, back in this like a you know back in the seventies, um, there really has there was no they were just so different 
you know, you could, there was mm. such a difference between this one and what had come before. And it was one of the things where also it was, you're talking right on the, the tail of, um, like Batman Returns is out, right? At that point. Yeah. Batman Returns came out, uh, like two months prior. Okay. So yeah, we got Batman Returns and again, and then, you know, both of those are Tim Burton and, and you know, those are, you know, the imagery is good. The stories are pretty good from that in Batman 89. So you're, you know, the cartoon to be, you know, as good, if not better in some cases was, you know, um, was not surprising, but it was surprising that compared to when you compared it to all the other animated stuff that had been out for Batman, for sure. Right. You know, there was definitely a marked improvement between what the stuff that we had before. Now, mind you, I, you know, I still enjoy, you know, an episode of Super Friends and I still enjoy some of the filmation stuff, but it's not, it's, it's not even in the same ballpark when you're talking about Batman stuff. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, I did not grow up with Super Friends. Um, mm. but, but I knew that super friends and the filmation stuff like had happened. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I first saw that the ads for Batman, the animated series, I remember like, like my cousin and I being really excited because we were like, this is the first Batman show in a while. Right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and it, and it just like, it looked so unlike anything. I mean, like at that point, like we were still like, Batman looks a little funny, but that looks really cool. Like. <laughs> Well, I mean, mean, there is that aspect of the fact that, like, well, the other thing about it is, like, when you compare it to Batman stuff, it definitely is different. But when you compare it to the landscape of stuff that was out at the time, it was completely different. That was the other thing about it, right? It it was, you know, it was just such a a show that didn't didn't want to be, you know, relegated to where it was in a lot of ways. I think it just was one things where, like, when you when you when you looked at like stuff that was on Saturday morning and the stuff that was on it like from three to five every day. No, this is a completely different, you know, a different piece of work basically. Right. What did you guys think? Clifton, Tommy. I mean, the first memory I have of the show is that I didn't know it was coming. I just, around that time, I guess I wasn't as tuned into some of the upcoming projects as I was at other times. So like I had seen Batman returns in theaters earlier that summer. Uh, and then I didn't know the show was coming and then I just caught it on the Monday or sometime during the week of its first week of afternoon airings. Cause I remember I was at a friend's house after school and it was the one I feel like I saw first is, is the uh, on leather wings, which uh, turns out to actually have been the first production, the production number one. So I did see that one first um, and not the other one that they showed as, as like the, the special weekend premiere. So that's what I remember about that one is, is uh, man bat who I also wasn't familiar with because <laughs> I hadn't read a whole lot of Batman stuff. So I didn't know who man bat was either. And I thought it was a cool episode. It was definitely yeah. like, like a monster Jekyll and Hyde ish type episode, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Tommy, how about you? I'm guessing you saw Cat in the Claw because you remember oh, yeah. it was a Saturday. Oh, I, I saw okay. it. It was, yeah, it stood out. Um, it was at, I want to say it was at the Eek the Cat or something that came on that time. So it stood out <laughs> tremendously as far as when it dropped. But I anticipate because at that time I was an avid cartoon watcher. Um, and I was more interested to see how they're going to do it. And to me, it was what well, felt weird about it. It didn't feel like a typical cartoon, it felt like more of a, um, like a serial or something. It just felt more adult in its presentation and its and what it did. Um, the the intro floored me. I was like, "The hell am I watching?" I mean, it it just it, the, right. when when it goes <laughs> into it, there's you know when you tipped it. I mean, typically it's I was used to the song era, you know, as far as cartoons are concerned. You right. get the uh, it's either it's it's a pitch or you know something similar to you know uh, song and dance or somebody singing some rock and roll tune or whatever you know whatever the case may be this straight action oriented that almost danced with the music so to speak every beat was a punch or a dodge or something and then it it just it was just grand in its presentation it just seemed different and it didn't and you were hooked until a commercial came up and it was just it was i it was great it glued me to the set from beginning to end but I, I failed to realize, I, I want to say when it came on, it didn't 
tell the second half of it, which was weird. Mm. Like, how are they going to show Batman and he loses in the first? <laughs> just, yeah. you, know I mean? you know, it was it was just weird. It was weird, but yeah, I, I, I mean, enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It was a, it was a weird like Cat in the Claw is a two part episode. So you saw it on Saturday. You got the to be continued bit. And then if you saw it the next day on Sunday night or if you saw it, you know, on the weekday. It's a different episode. You didn't get yeah. part two until the next Saturday. I didn't get part two to a while. Yeah, yeah, it was to a week, and, I, yeah. and then, but they aired something else. But I was like, "What? Did I miss something?" It made me feel like I wasn't tuned in for some reason or another. Right. Yeah, I think um, you know, th- this this show obviously is is uh well talked about online. There's you know, everybody is is you know, I'm I'm assuming that there's not many people listening to this show that don't know you know a, a bunch about the show already you know but you know so bruce tim gets a lot of love paul dini gets a lot of love alan burnett those are the guys that are kind of like the three guys that that, that are really synonymous with the show when the, i think that there's also like and rightfully so i mean they, they did a lot of uh heavy lifting on it and the show is the show because of them but i think that there's some other heroes to regard is like how this show got made the way it was. And Jean McCurdy is one of them, I think where mm-hmm. um, she was an executive at Warner brothers. Um, and Bruce, Tim, when he and Eric Radomski got put together, they were first time producers on this show. They never produced anything before. Right. They just kind of like, she saw something in the two of them. They're like, wow, they have kind of like uh, a cool vision and a neat idea about this thing. And even though like, like they were talking about like doing weird stuff or they were like animating on black paper, <laughs> you know, like right. it didn't scare her off at all. Like, and, and um, I was reading up in, in Bruce Tim's modern masters where he was, he was talking about like those early development days. He's like, I told Gene basically that like, we didn't have any interest in doing Tim Burton. Mm hmm. Right. Like, like, you know, we liked a lot of like the cool stuff and there were like weird sort of like parallels that like they were both uh, um, influenced by Art Deco, even though they mm-hmm. went like in completely different directions with it, like right. like their inspiration for it. But and like it, she was apparently like super cool with all of it. She's like, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Which I mean, to me, like boggles my mind at that. Th- I mean, like, like. Batman 89 was such a monster hit. And then for the, for the tie in cartoon air quote, tie in cartoon to come out and not be just like a spinoff of what they were doing. He was like very bluntly. Like, I don't, I don't want the Batman design that they did. Mm -hmm. I want to do like, I want to do a different Batman design. Right. Um, and they seem like, like pretty cool with it. And, and, you know, my understanding too, is that they were in production without a home. They were just like, we're developing this. Um, let's go ahead. They, she put, uh, Radomsky and Tim together to do kind of like a proof of concept of, um, that ended up being sort of like, like a first draft of of the intro that you're talking about, Tommy. And it's on like the Batman, the animated series, like DVD is a special feature. We'll post it on the notes. It's actually really cool to check out. But, um, she was like, she wanted them to produce something that they could, they could kind of go to like the suits and be like, this, this is what these guys are capable of. Mm-hmm. And by the time that was done, the show had already been greenlit. So like, and she had done all the, the, uh, um, deal making like behind the scenes. It's about like getting it on Fox on Fox kids and working out like all the weird rights for it and everything. Like, I mean, she was like, like really an un like, uh, uh, an unappreciated hero, I think for the show. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, it, it did have some flourishes of the, Tim Burton stuff. Apparently they did get a call at one point where they were like, we want the penguin and Catwoman to look <laughs> like they do in <laughs> Batman returns. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were like, when it comes from the suits, like you just like, you don't, you don't argue with it. You just go with right. it. But interestingly, they didn't get pictures of Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. They were saying, and, and they were in production before the movie came out and they were, and they were, they were not going to get any. So they said they managed to get a de- like a meeting with Tim Burton and he kind of sketched out like really roughly <laughs> what he was going to look like, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and Tim was like, well, that didn't help really either. Cause if you look, if you see his style, his style is like super abstract and vague anyway. Like right, he's like, yeah. <laughs> we didn't really get a whole lot to go on, but 
he did say that they got to go to um, Danny DeVito's costume test Good. for the movie and not take pictures, but they got to take their sketch pads over there and just kind of sketch out like what they what they were going to look like and stuff. And uh, so that's what happened with Penguin and Catwoman. They went with gray just because at the time they were like, we were terrified of doing a character in all black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like their you know, Catwoman doesn't look at all like like Batman or James yeah. Catwoman. Yeah, the other thing that Bridges I can see is is that they used the Danny Elfman music for the show's open. Right. Which I think is like a nice little bridge from the movies to the show where they like it sounds familiar to the movies. It connect it's like connective tissue to the movies is that that music is is Batman and movie. And then they they use it on the intro where they're showing you like this isn't Batman from the movies. So I think it was a nice little like segue for people to to come into a, a different Batman world. Yeah. So, all right. So let, let's let's dig in. What are some standout things? Let's talk. Uh, you guys want to do? Should we start with favorite episodes, or you guys want to start with villains first? I'll let you guys choose. I'll go with favorite uh, villains because. This was the first push that I felt that we we're going to have, uh, you know, the regular rogues gallery. I mean, we mm-hmm. did get that. But to me, the more standouts are the ones that they created for the show. One particular is to me that stood out the best was Clock King. Yeah, <laughs> I just mm-hmm. I mean, it it, it 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 just felt like somebody that bad would fight, but it wasn't something we've seen him fight. Like it wasn't somebody that was really punchable. It was more like can I get a step ahead of him type of situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish, I wish there was more of him because when he actually fought Batman, he really didn't fight Batman because he beat him in some like fencing way, so to speak. Yeah. The clock King episode is really good. Yeah. It just seemed like he wasn't he like, I know he, I mean, he, he didn't want Batman to stop him, but at the same time, when he was confronted with Batman, this is a guy that was, he fa- he had that, calm demeanor like he was just too cool to be brought down he just knew he was right so to speak yeah yeah it it was it was an interesting take that like that he was obsessed with time more so than clocks like in the uh in (laughs) the 66 show which like that was his main hook was stealing antique rare clocks and stuff yeah yeah you know yeah yeah and putting them in a in a giant uh, hourglass yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who voiced him in the animated? Great question. Oh, I'm embarrassed to not know this off the top of my head. You you know <laughs> that? No, that one I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Rakins? Hmm. Am I saying that right? It's Norman Osborn from Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. It's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. I never I, I never knew that till just now. Okay. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. And they did always try to bring in good people for the voices, for the villains especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, everyone, but they use the villains as like their, their special guest spots. Kind of mm. like 66 Batman did, in a right. way. <laughs> in a way, yeah. What I like about um, how they treated all the villains, really, in general, was there, there's a lot of episodes where Batman's almost a supporting character, and the villain is kind of like, the main character, especially their origin episodes. So like right. clock King's kind of like a perfect, a perfect example of that, you know, I mean, uh, but they, I mean, they did it like just like repeatedly time after time, like Riddler two face, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are some other standouts? And one of my favorites that was just an unexpected one to me. And I wasn't familiar with again, outside of stuff, but just seeing in them and present them in the show, it's it's Scarface and the ventriloquist. Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. like immediately I was sold on this character that seems absurd if you were <laughs> to, to describe it. Like it's a puppet gangster, and that's the one who's who's calling the shots. Right. And and the ventriloquist who's controlling him is scared of the puppet gangster. Like none yes, of that, none of it yeah, sounds yeah sounds reasonable but like it's fantastic and it's such a good character on so many levels mm-hmm. yeah. but to me it reminded me what was frank the movie you hated with um, magic anthony hopkins, anthony hopkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's that's yeah. why it worked for me because it immediately made me think of that 
mm-hmm. in which it, it felt like it was two different personalities. But you're like, right. aren't, aren't they the same? <laughs> yeah. right, right. No, I agree like, with it you. seems like it's a demon possessed puppet, but it's not. Yes, but right. it's not. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's but that's the vibe it got for me. But I understand exactly what you meant, Clifton. Yeah. What's great about it though is that they play it as like like when he finds out like because it's a mystery at that point like who who's sort of like pulling these jobs and when he sees it it's scarface like even batman's like what is this <laughs> you know <laughs> right i like that that everybody has that reaction of like like what what is going on <laughs> and like the gang is like everyone who works for him scared of the puppet like they don't care about the yep. ventriloquist yes like yes, they're all, yes. They're all like, he doesn't matter they're like, scarface, it's scarface yeah yes yes so great what cracks me up too because I, I i actually i watched a couple of where he was in it like leading up to this and um what i love is in the later ones where like you see him with other villains mm-hmm. and the villains all get like pissed off at him they all hit the ventriloquist <laughs> <laughs> for stuff that scarface and, like i love that everybody like sees through it like <laughs> you know they're like no it's still you i'm hitting you <laughs> instead, of, instead of this this piece of wood that you're right yeah he's got a lot of good episodes he's almost got like no bad ones i think yeah what about you frank for a favorite villain not like uh, villains that stood out to you oh, villains not necessarily out. like your number one. Oh, um because hmm. now i'm conflicted because now i want to talk about my number ones um i always you know i i, I liked who I like the most the ones that are not the normal ones that are highlighted. Um, I had another favorite while you're thinking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Baby doll. Yeah, I was going to say baby doll, mm-hmm. but that one's, that one's just tough. <laughs> it's such a tragic. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. Oh no, it works on two levels because then, I mean, they even pulled, um, what you call it from, um, horror movies from the concept, you know? Mm. In fact, right. there's a movie on um, streaming called Orphan. That mm-hmm. basically is the same premise of having a person who looks young, who's really older, but acts, <laughs> acts innocent in the, in that regard. But it's uh, it's almost like, you know, if, um, uh, what's the name from Different Strokes Went Evil, basically. That's how I see that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I, I love the concept. It was just, it was creepy. Even when they brought it back, it got even creepier. Um, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah very disturbing but yeah it, it it made me think of interview with a vampire um right. oh yeah, yeah. chris kirsten dunce's character yes yes in mm-hmm. which yeah she looks young but that's like a 200 year old girl a woman in there <laughs> she got needs too like yeesh mm. yeah yeah yeah, but yeah. yeah. No, I, I just conceptually it was just a great idea that why wouldn't she be batman for yeah yeah that's another really good episode I really love that episode. Yeah, it's just, it's so creepy and and frank like you were saying like it's super tragic. Oh yeah. It's one of those where where you you don't root for the bad guy necessarily, but you do sympathize with them at times. Mhm. For sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I finally thought of the one that I I, I think a lot of that on paper like and even like the the Batman 66 stuff, I think the Mad Hatter's one that that's kind of silly. Like I get it, the whole mm-hmm. motif of Alice, but I think the Mad Hatter in 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 the Batman the Animated Series gets a better showing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think they really use you know like the what's the one with um is it Perchance a Dream? Is that the one I'm Which thinking one are you of? Talking the, about? the um the one where his parents are still alive. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, that the Mad Hatter one? one? Is that Mad Hatter? Or is that um? It's Mad Hatter. It well, is Mad Hatter. Okay. 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 Yeah, I thought it was for a minute. I was, thought it was Hugo Strange, but it is Mad Hatter, right? Yeah, it's Mad Hatter. Okay, but yeah, like that one's great. Like you know, that's the that's one of the whole confrontation in the in the in the Belfry, right? Yeah, yeah, that one I like a whole lot. I think that was a really good episode that doesn't really get talked about. And I think he's like I said, he's one that doesn't get um, mentioned quite as much. Because again, I, I think in the comics he's great. I think with um, some of the stuff that Gail Simone did with him in, in Secret Six is great. But I think as a character overall, he's kind of like yeah, he's he's you know, like you said. You know, he collects, it's all haberdashery, you know, in the Batman 66, it's all about mm-hmm. collecting, you know, so-and-so's lucky hat or the hat that they wore in a championship, <laughs> right. like like going yeah. to get a sport, you know, like a, a helmet or something. 
But in this, mm-hmm. it's much more about, you know, the, the first one with it where, he, you know, basically mind controls that young woman, Alice, or that he calls Alice. Um, and also the fact that Roddy McDowell does the voice is great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, lo- I think Mad Hatter is one that I really, really enjoyed that just doesn't get enough love. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I um one of the ones I rewatched because I, I didn't pick like the favorites to go to to, to, to watch for this. So, so I didn't do like almost got him. And you know what I mean? And Heart of Ice and stuff like that. You know, I've seen all these a million times, but I was like picking out sort of like, like what what are kind of like the forgotten ones a little bit. And I did the Worry Men. Okay. Was like the first one I watched, like leading up to it, which is a Mad Hatter episode. It's the one where, where um, Veronica Reeland comes back from like a, a trip to South America. She's got like all these like little worry dolls that she passes <laughs> out to everybody. Oh, and right. it turns yeah, out to yeah. be like Mad Hatter's. Yep. you know, able to kind of like mind control people <laughs> like right. yeah. with these. And it's like a really good episode. And it was I was watching it and what struck me about it is like it does feel like a 70s Batman comic mm-hmm. a little bit. And and it's really striking to me that like it's not based on a comic or anything like that. Like this is an you know, I mean, they did do some episodes that were that were just straight adaptations of episodes of comics. Right. Um but this is that like this wasn't one of them, but it just like it was it was so perfectly uh, uh, it, it felt like an Inglehart issue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that was one. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree completely. That was one. I'm like, why are people more talking about like this episode? Like this episode's super tight. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know who to pick. I mean, there's so many of them like, you know, and, and like I said, they're they're all really, really good. I think. um I think, you know, I think Two-Face is tough to beat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And these, I, you know, I don't think he's got a bad episode either anywhere. You know, the the two-parter, ha, of course. Of course. <laughs> Where they get into, like, his origin and everything like that. I, I mean, that episode is, is terrific. Absolutely mm-hmm. terrific. Yeah, that one's heartbreaking, too. That's, what the, that's one thing about all the villains I think they do really well is, and it wasn't one of the things where they, they were... You know, villains again were kind of two dimensional before this. There really wasn't a lot of thought put into their motivations or whether they were, you know, in some cases misunderstood or tragic. It was just sort of like, you know, Catwoman likes cat stuff and Penguin gets bird stuff and Man Hatter likes hats. So therefore, we're going to write a whole bunch of hat, cat, bird puns and shoot, you know, shoot the episode. Yeah. So. Yeah, the the Two Face one was probably the first one where I caught on to the like celebrity casting, like the guest casting they were doing for some of the voices, <laughs> especially the villains. Right. Because mm-hmm. I did realize that it was Richard Maul, who I knew from Night Court, is mm-hmm. Paul Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a very different character than, <laughs> than Paul Shannon. So. Yes. But he's great at both. So he's definitely versatile. More more than people would think just watching Night Court, I think. Yeah, that was one thing when they had the list of people like Richard Maul's name was there and I was like, Bull? Bull from Night Court <laughs> right. is yeah. Harvey Dent. Okay, sure. And they had um oh uh what's his name? The the that did Penguin was the one I really was like, um Uh was that Paul Williams? Yeah, Paul Williams. I was like, Are you are you serious? Paul Williams is gonna be okay, sir, yeah. And Adrian Adrian Barbeau is Catwoman. I'm like, I can right, see that. Right, yeah. That that actually was fine. I had no no issue there. Right. That made sense to me. But you know, some of the choices, like again, it was and at this point it was Tim Curry was the name that was mentioned for the for the Joker. And I, you know, I never I never heard of who's Kevin Conroy. I'm like, I don't even know that guy's name. Right. Yeah, you know. I didn't know him. You know, some of the choices for some of the characters just, you know, work so well. And, and again, at first glance, you know, you might turn your nose up and not. But, I, you know, in some cases, you know, it's those are the thing where I can't. A lot of times I can't not hear those voices when you're reading the comic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think it's really tough to not, you know, still, still some of them still, you know, think of them as those voice actors. And, and, and we'll get into that. But there was um. Clifton, I mean, did you did you recognize that it was Bull like like right off the bat or was that one that you had to like see the name? I feel like it was both because I like I had Mm. seen him on interviews and stuff at the time. So I kind of did know what he sounded like normally when he wasn't just doing like the Bull (laughs) Shannon (laughs) affectations. Um, It might have been like like I thought it sounded familiar and then waited to figure out who to find out who it was where I was like, I know that voice. 
Right. It might have been okay. that situation. Certainly not in the two-faced voice, uh, but in like the normal yeah. Harvey talking voice. He was the back computer also in those yep. first couple okay. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, I mean, but that was something that show did all the time to me, too, where, like, I, I, I would learn later on. I'd be like, wait, that's the voice of, of so-and-so? You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> that was one. I mean, like, I remember watching Night Court. And I'm like, I had the same reaction, Frank. I'm like, wait, that's too fake. That voice comes out of that guy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and then, of course, like, the, fa- the famous one for me was, was Joker. Yeah. Like, you know, I, re- I remember... Um, this was before IMDb. I had a blockbuster video CD-ROM mm. that was like a database of movies you could look up. Okay. And I looked up like Mask of the Phantasm at that, and it was like Mark Hamill. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, from Star Wars? I'm like, who is he? Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked at him yeah. like, he's the Joker? Right. <laughs> yeah, what? that was one. That was one like after the fact. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I remember being like, I, I mean, I get it. You know, it's a name. But I don't know if I, and then, you know, you hear him do it and you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. I totally get, I totally get right. why he's doing this. So, mm. but those are like the only two, not the only two, but like, but really the two that are, that are like doing voices, which mm-hmm. they didn't do often. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, um, uh, Andrea Romano, the casting director uh, and voice recorder over there, like, you know, said all the time. She, she's like we wanted voices with character we wanted people that weren't necessarily doing a voice right um that just kind of had like cool sounding voices but like but yeah i mean those are the two like that's not what they sound like but they're they're turning on this you know this um different uh different sound for those characters but you know there was some like i remember like david warner as rachel ghoul right and i was a big ninja turtle fan as you guys yeah. all know and i was like i was like the guy from ninja turtles too that's right <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. From Tron, yeah, <laughs> who just passed, right? Yeah, he just passed yeah. recently, quite yeah, recently, a couple weeks ago. Loved him in Tron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was good as Raish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Raish is definitely or Raz, but Raish in in this version of the show mm, is yeah. definitely, uh, I mean, one of the tops to me, like one of the other standout villains to me. Again, like I didn't know anything of the character before watching the show and just became like such a force throughout the show. Uh, I thought they did a really good job with. Yeah. He was a fun one where, um, one of the things I love most about the show is that they were kind of like these mini movies, but they did have kind of a, a sometimes would kind of have like a loose continuity where they would echo back. Uh, to things, and that was one where, like, like Raish is kind of hinted at before he shows up, because mm-hmm. there's that episode with um, Off Balance where Batman teams up with Talia, and they're fighting Count Vertigo, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and Raish kind of shows up at the end, uh, <laughs> you know, talking to Talia, and it's like, okay, like what, huh? And and like, I guess at the time, like I was so young too, so I mean, you guys. Frank, for sure. I mean, you you knew who that character was, but oh, sure. I remember yeah. watching that, being like, not knowing, not knowing what I didn't know, <laughs> right? You know, and just being so cool when he showed up later. I'm like, oh, that guy from before is a bad guy, like mm-hmm. <laughs> a very bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the things that makes the show like like why I remember it so fondly and why I love the thing so much is that like it was I, I, it caught me at the perfect age where it was it was my first for a lot of things right it was it was I didn't know anything that had like really serialized storytelling at that point that mm-hmm. played like that you know what I mean like you just watch like who's the boss in this episode <laughs> didn't matter <laughs> if you saw the next week <laughs> right right you know and so that was kind of cool. And, and to also be young enough that like you didn't know that that was being set up like we are now, like when we watch the Marvel movies now and like and we're, we're looking for setup everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really cool to watch it and not and, and be surprised by that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I also I think I've said before, like this is the show that made me I, I realized that TV had writers with yeah. Batman, the animated series. Like I just started 
I was at the age where like I started reading words on the screen when they weren't subtitles, you know, mm-hmm. and I started noticing that like this guy, Paul Dini, ten, tended to write like all the episodes I really, really liked. And I was like, wow, like, OK, it just never occurred to me. And like TV has writers. You wrote books is what I thought. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, like I didn't know right. how TV was made, how it came about. But I'm like, oh, so he was like the first guy that the was like I like this guy like this this guy like I like first attachment to like a creator for mm-hmm. me was this show um you guys want to go into uh like the voices you can't get out of your head now since we kind of <laughs> sure kind of talk even though we left a lot of villains on on <laughs> you know not talked about but I figure that we'll get into some of them here right so Frank you were saying Two Face you can't you cannot hear Richard Mall as Two Face. Yeah, I mean, Two Face is definitely one where I where, um, and and, and it does the other thing I like about the show that just about Two Face's character in general is the fact that they do it. They you know, that I think is one of the first places I can remember. Other than say, I think it might be Year One. I think does it the Miller David Mazzucchelli book, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea of of trying to give Harvey Dent a little bit of life before the tragedy of Two Face. Mm-hmm. You know they do they do yeah. a fair they do a fairly good job of like kind of setting him up as like Bruce's friend and kind of like you know works with Commissioner Gordon, and then right we're not introduced to him in the uh, courtroom right yeah <laughs> it's not it's not it's not the you know immediately the tragedy of acid in your face <laughs> you yeah. know right it, right you know that's that's his, his intro so it's it's that's one of the things I think is it does a really good job because ever since then you know there's been a you know, no pun intended. There's been a, a real push to flesh out what he was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, even so that, like, even the episode where he's, you know, he he's kind of got a a, a, a romance going with Poison Ivy. That kind of thing is, you know, that I don't think it's ever been picked up anywhere else. But um, right, that whole bit of that that thing happening, those episodes, that episode basically being something again to give him a little more, as Harvey, a little more meat. But yeah, Richard Mull's performance is great. I mean that 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 you you know that f- as a voice I can't get in my head is that that scream at you know that torture scream when he sees his face for the first time. Yeah, is you know that one I, I you know I always that one I always go back to. And then I, and again his performance as being the two you know having to be the two halves, um, is really great too. Yeah, it's hard, and I think it's kind of like he's weirdly a character that doesn't pop up a lot in animation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's 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 not in the Batman at all. Yeah. Uh, the 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 next animated Batman show that came after this, he is in Brave and the Bold a couple of times, yep. voiced by James James Reamer, and he's kind of doing the Richard Mall thing. Yeah. And yeah, I I I think I th- I think the weight of Richard Mall is felt. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> anytime, anytime somebody approaches the character, maybe not necessarily like, how do I do the Joker after like Mark Hamill? Right. But, you know, but uh, yeah, I think it's there. Yeah, I think, I think, I think he does a really good job as both, you know, both characters in the same person. You know, trying to make it be a little more because again, we don't have, you know, it's one of the things where we don't. He's not in the filmation stuff, is he? I don't think Two Faces in that stuff, is he? I don't recall him. In the Adventures of Batman and yeah, Robin or whatever that I can't one was, remember. certainly not he... Super Friends. No, and he's definitely not in. He's not in sixty six because he was he was deemed too scary for sixty six. <laughs> right, right. And we don't get we don't get him till the till much later as the second one of those direct to direct to DVD Blu Ray Adam mm-hmm. West movies, and in yeah. that one it's um, yeah. William Shatner, who's right. great, yeah. who's great yeah. in it. He's great. Um. Yeah, I, I think that I can connect know, the do- I can connect the line from Richard yeah. Mall to William Shatner though with what he did with it too, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, so I was going to say is like there's you know there's there's not a lot of you know vocal performances in animation of Two Face, but the ones like I said, the one that I, I think of and you know hear a lot of is 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 definitely Richard Mall. So I I always hear John Glover as the Riddler. Oh yeah, yeah. like that that's another one I can't get out of my because he's got just like um like a sophistication to his voice. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also the snideness you know? too. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, yeah he, delivers, exactly. he, does, he delivers really well. The snideness of, of, of Edward Nigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays a lot of egotistical characters very yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. He does it incredibly well. So yeah, I could see that. 
That makes sense. This is funny because you see interviews and he seems like the nicest guy on, on Earth. <laughs> right. You <laughs> ever see like behind the scenes stuff. Everybody loves him. Right. Or, you know, like I've seen a lot of like Rosenbaum sending him, you know, tweets on his birthday talking about his TV dad and how, you know, basically how wonderful he was, yeah. is, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. But otherwise, no, like I, I agree there. That's a tough one to beat. I'm trying to think if that would, if that works that way for me. I could see that. I just think Eddie's a little, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, um, Zach, the idea that, you know, there's a little, there's, we, that we don't get a lot of is that, you know, Eddie's Eddie's a carny at heart, you know. There's a mm. little bit of you know a little bit of con man, a little bit of yeah, I'm smart, but I'm also kind of lazy at times, and I really don't do stuff. You know, I, I make it so it make it easy for me to win this this bout of you know intelligence. So, but no, I, I love Glover's performance. I think his performance in that is really good. Mm. He is really good as the Riddler. I mean, one that stands out to me is is we've only gotten a few episodes of total. Mm. And it's uh, Michael Ansara as Victor Freeze. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just like yeah. I can hear that voice. Like that just like deadpan, cold, mm. metallic voice. Mm-hmm. I can like I can imagine the, the line readings right now on stuff he says. Yeah, they don't have to. And the thing about it was they don't have to do too much. Like I never felt like they had to do too much of that voice to make it that way. Mm-hmm. No, like, there's no a, yeah. You know, there's a little bit, obviously, of, of, of you know, metallic little bit but not right. even if you i think if you just left it because i think we get some of the same like i'm trying to think of the episode is it it's, i don't know if it's the first one i don't think it's heart of ice deep but, freeze was the second one deep freeze okay. was the second one yeah but like you get the you know you get the sound of his voice without the helmet um yeah i think again you know when you think back to 66 and auto preminger and i know like mr freeze or you know like sub like i don't know sub zero what he was called in in the filmation stuff Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. you know, Heart of Ice for for what the character was to to what he is and the performance, you know. Again, there's never been no one's gone back from that, right? From that that portrayal of the character. That's a, that is the character from then on, except for Arnold. Well, right, okay. right, yeah. right. <laughs> That's true. Well, in, in, yes, true. In, in, in all other times, yes. Chill. Yeah. Chill. I don't care. Yeah. I still like it. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't, that, that one doesn't, you know, the, the, discounting for the most, that one, discounting that yeah. one. Sure. But I'm sure that was already pre-production when, when Batman, the animated series was being made. So there's nothing they could really do. You know, once they committed to Arnold, um, <laughs> you know, there was nothing, they, they were on that, that collision course with Arnold. Um, yeah. so yeah, no, that was a great one. It's, that voice is haunting, mm. you know. You you feel the pain and the weight. That was what I always thought. Mm. Like the, just the weight of of what he has to deal with and Nora and and the fate <laughs> and and the weight of the suit and all all right. of it. God, yeah, you yeah. feel every bit of it. That um that take happened very early in the development process. I, I yeah. was reading. Okay. Um, where where Bruce Tim and Paul Dini were talking about that when they were doing the Bible. I can't remember if it made it into the Bible mm-hmm. or not. Um, but. It was something they talked about early on, and uh, so so Dini's on board for for the Bible and some some early pre production stuff that, mm-hmm. that you know they didn't have a whole lot of help on, and then um, Dini went back to Tiny Tunes for a little while, okay, um, which was you know one of the things like how a lot of these guys knew each other too, which is like they a lot of those guys worked on Tiny Tunes together who were brought in from like Hanna Barbera and other spots from Gene McCurdy when when WB was starting their TV division. So she brought a lot of these people that she knew from like Hanna-Barbera and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, so Dini is on um, tiny tunes for a bit and then wraps up there and then comes back to Batman. And that's when he becomes like story editor and producer and stuff like that. And I think, I think they were saying Mr. Freeze is like the first one he did when he came back. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and he was like at that, and Tim was like, at that point, like we were kind of like in the throes of, of production. I didn't really have to do, a whole lot of uh um like talking to him about it like he just kind of remembered the stuff that we had talked about early on and just and, and put it all in there um yeah, i'm pretty i'm pretty sure in the in the heart of batman they they when they were putting together the like the bible and trying to develop characters that he says you know that like it's glenn um uh who's on the yeah was saying that mm-hmm. they all knew who 
Dini was. Like they were all like in the hallways, like they knew who he was. They knew he was a good writer. And then like you said, he came on and they had, if I remember correctly from the, 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 the heart of Batman that they, at one point, um, Bruce Tim like wanted, he was, he's like, at the time he didn't know any better that you just don't re- reach out to people when you want them to work on a show. And he was like, I need, I'm going to ask some of my favorite comic book uh, character uh, artists to work on some character designs. And he got Mignola, Mike Mignola to do freeze. Yeah. Right. He just called like cold, call, yeah. like cold, called him. No, no joke, no pun intended right. and said, Hey, we'd like you to work on the show. And he got, he, that was the, the, the freeze design was what he came up with. Okay. Um, before they got, and then Paul Dini came in and wrote, Heart of Ice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I can see it with like the red goggles, mm-hmm. like the circle red mm-hmm, goggles. Right? I can totally see Mignola on that. Yeah. yeah, it's all there. He's because the other one he said the other one, which of course, if you if you if you look at some of the other design stuff, is is um Kevin O'Neill. No, not Kevin O'Neill. I'm sorry, not Kevin. Uh, O'Neill. Kevin, Kevin Nolan. Nolan. Kevin, Kevin Nolan. Nolan. My yeah, fault. Right, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Kevin O'Neill's Kevin O'Neill's a great artist, but yeah, not not for that. Not, didn't work on this, but Kevin Nolan. <laughs> so if you see mm-hmm. Kevin Nolan stuff, you could definitely see how a lot of that design also went into some of the character work for the show too. Right. And this was an early one. Heart of Ice was episode three in production wise. Yeah. It's a beautiful episode. Man, is it good? Yeah. So it's, it's a good one. Yeah, Tim directed that one too. That was the other thing that they, that they found too, that the, they, they, he didn't want to, but they found it. He and Radomski cause they got like so behind schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> on things that like that they need to actually come out and direct a few and yep. like it's a wonder that that episode came out as good as it did because they actually went outside um it, it, like normally they they have like a set number of storyboarders to work on the show or for, for any given episode and this one was like just such a hodgepodge where it was like I went I, he went to so many freelancers like outside of the, the series and mm. people would you know, get to work on it when they were in between episodes, like assignments, he would just get this guy for a day. And he's like, somehow it all worked. He's like, I don't know how it did. (laughs) You know what I mean? But there was like no cohesion on it. It sounded like making it. Yeah. Michael Ansar is a really good one. I guess. um, Should we talk Mark Hamill? I guess. Probably should. (laughs) Yeah, no, we should. should. Well, mine was leaning towards Arlene Sorkin. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and I and and it's not so much the what what the character Blossom and the Bee. I remember her before the cartoon came out because when Fox came up or when it first was developed as an actual station or channel. Uh, of course, I don't know if you I don't know if you remember it or not, but it was what Twenty One Jump Street, Married with Children, and Trace Yeoman Show. Mm. Well, shortly after those four was a a show called Duet. And she was on was that. Labeled, she was on that. Okay, she was I'm, on I'm, that as the um, maid named Geneva. Oh, uh, okay. Terrible show, but I liked watching her with her voice, and she was uh, snarky, or you know, had the quick comebacks to the other four strong characters. But she always stood out because of her voice. Well, <laughs> the show wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. It was canceled. And that's the last time I heard from her until this show came up and it drew me in because that's the only reason why I watched duet <laughs> was Arlene Sorkin. So imagine my surprise, how her same voice probably ratched, you know, ratcheted up a bit in the high pitched area, but it was her. I, I didn't have to look at the title card or, or you know, or, or anything um, suggesting who the voice actors were. I knew for a fact that was her. But it drew me into the character more because I always, always like listening to her on that show that was canceled. I have no memory of that show. <laughs> and Chris <laughs> Lemon and Alla, Alla, Allison LaBaca. Yes. Yep. I remember the yes. show. Yeah. I just, I just remember Arlene Sorkin, though. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't Allison LaBaca also a voice in? Yes. Yes. Yeah, she, she was Baby Doll. Series. Yeah, Baby she was Doll. Baby Doll. So I think we found a show that. Uh, the Dini watch. Then the, somebody, somebody involved in yeah. production watched. Yes, and yes, yes. Because she was part of Fox before. Well, well, Dini has said that he he had Arlene Sorkin in mind when okay. he when he like was, you know, kind of kind of coming up with this character that he dropped into an episode. Yeah, right. Yeah, which we'll get into sort of like her creation and everything down the line for sure. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's everybody, every, like everybody's kind of like doing their best her. Yeah, Arlene, <laughs> when they do yeah, Arlene, their best right? Arlene Sorkin right. impression. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's for, you know, what's the line about, um, often uh imitated but never duplicated that's what i feel right. about early twerking mm-hmm. like so yeah. many actresses yeah. try and again nothing against anybody who's doing it now or and i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying lots of people have tried to do it no one's gotten close no mm-hmm. no yeah i agree you know that's the thing about early twerking you know I, I, she's just you know that's harley and then you can tell that like when you have someone trying to imitate her it's close but it's not it's not it so mm-hmm. yeah I'm with you. I I know that there's a big chunk of the fan base that uh, would say Tara Strong's version is the best. Not bad. Not bad. It is. I mean, and, and she and she's fantastic in a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah of I'm course. With you. I think, Absolutely. I, I think that um, it it doesn't come off quite as natural as as Arlene no. Sorkin's version. No, does, you know. No. Yeah, there's something about some of the line. You know, when when again, long before we get the past, you know, we get an emancipated Harley Quinn. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just some lines that that Arlene delivers that that both make you know in the same in the same has the same lilt of oh that's funny and oh that's really tragic and sad in the same line, and not every mm-hmm. again not everyone can do that. So yeah, yeah. She had a way too of making that like the ridiculous sounding voice sound like grounded and realistic in some weird way. Whereas I think in other people like it sounds it it sounds like a voice they're doing right. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you were saying Mark Hamill was a joker. <laughs> yeah, so Mark Hamill. He's very good. He's very good. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, that was for sure one I did not place. Um, mm. I had to be told that one, probably by Wizard Magazine. Right. And then and then was like, what? And then had to go back and listen to be like, maybe I can hear it. Maybe. Mm. Well, am I, am I, you know, I, I remember the time was the, it was a time of the, like, you know, you knew Mark Hamill and he had done some stuff outside of Star Wars, obviously, but he had, the last thing I remember he had done before that was he was the live action trickster in John Wesley ships, the flash. Right. Right. Yeah. That was the last big, like, yeah. like genre thing. And then he was like, wasn't he in, um, Tommy helped me out. There was like, what was it? Ah, was it tech commander or tech wing? Was it wing commander? Wasn't he in that too? That I'm not sure. I was thinking the Giver. Giver, the yeah, I was thinking the Giver. Was yeah. But no, like yeah. I, thought, I thought he did yeah. a voice in like Wing Commander, the video game. Like those were like yeah, no, he's talking about the video game. Yeah, I want to say yeah, but I, I I can't place it enough to to be honest about that. But I clearly remember Wing Commander as a as as a video game. I, was he a voice of Wing Commander? I thought he was. I, oh, I think okay. I might be completely remembering it wrong, but I thought he was like a voice or not the voice. Because like, again, it's one of those games, one of the early games, it's kind of like first person, like you're the new recruit, and then everyone mm-hmm. talks to you, and you're like, those are choices you can make in the RPG. And I thought he was one of like those characters in it, but I could be completely wrong. Okay. But anyway, he like the last thing I remember him doing was The Flash, the Flash show that was on the, the early one, and the first live action one. Right. And so when, he, when I saw that he was going to be, not that I was super, you know, in Tim Curry's camp, but I just thought, well, that's really odd. Mm-hmm. I guess they went a different way, um, as things do sometimes. But you know, again, it's one of those you hear him, and he's that. You know, he's in Batman the Animated Series, and he's in um, was it the new the new adventure Batman and Robin, and then he's you know in all the Arkham games, and he's in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Well, not Justice League Unlimited, but Justice League, um, mm-hmm. and he just becomes synonymous. You know, as as. You know, not even a live action performance, but he's the Joker just based off his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that was the one that, you know, and then, oh, Killing Joke, and just Killing Joke too. I mean, it's also, you know, there's a lot I, that, you know, I, 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 I still, that one I hear as, as him, you know, and I still feel people try to do him, you know, as do that voice, the Joker voice mm-hmm. that they hear from Hamill. But I, I think he's one I definitely hear. Yeah. They do. I, Troy Baker does a pretty good imitation. Okay. Him. Um he 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 did Joker in um Assault on Arkham, the movie, and uh uh the Ninja Turtles Batman animated. Mm-hmm. He's Joker in that too. Like he does I mean, but he's doing Hamill. He's doing his best Hamill. Um 
which I mean, it, it's it's uh, so he's like the one that I that I know it's like is is trying to like almost doesn't want to put like his own spin on it. Just is like, no, I want to do that. <laughs> right. Um, right. Because that is the thing. I mean, you brought up Killing Joke. I mean, that is the, Hamill is fantastic, but Killing Joke kind of came out at a point where I think he was just like his voice had changed enough mm-hmm. that I don't think he could get as high anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe some of that's performance, but I remember kind of thinking that like over the years that went on, we're like, you know, some of the video games. I'm like, yeah, doesn't quite sound the same mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Right. Um, you know what I mean? But I did, but he had an effect in a way that I, I don't think Tim Curry's impulse would have been to go high pitched with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that he probably would have been like his instinct might have been right. And also just what he sounds like. I think it would have been a much deeper voice. Okay. And I think he would have gone with like, we're trying to make him scary. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I can see him going with his Captain Hook voice from the Peter Pan and the Pirates show around the same time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Exactly. Right. And, um, and I think the thing is after that is, is Hamill comes on and, and knocks it out of the park. And I think everybody's instinct at that point is to kind of go high pitched with it. Yeah. With very few instances, right? Like uh, John DiMaggio does not in Under the Red Hood. Like he goes low. He goes yeah. low register. But, you know, I'm looking at it and, and whether or not they're 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 because Hamill did it or if it's just sort of like he's a clown and it's kind of trickstery and that's just sort of how how it feels. It would be high pitched, but it just kind of like I think of everybody after that. It's just like Heath Ledger. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> right. You know, and 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 the other vocal performances since then. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Mm hmm. I, I did check his credits. Like he was in the Wing Commanders of the video game and the uh-huh. show, but that was just slightly <laughs> right around the same time or just slightly after uh, Batman the Animated Series, which appears oh, okay. to be his first voice. Yeah, that's weird too. And mm. that they that they jumped to him, just took a chance, I guess. And mm. and now he's like ubiquitous with the animation voices. Right. Oh yeah. Ever since then, yeah, he's everywhere. Hmm. All right, so we're we're getting uh, close to having to wrap up here. So um, uh, we've gone long enough without talking about him. So we'll we'll hit Kevin Conroy <laughs> on the way out. But first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is. dot com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Finally, if you want to suggest a topic, let us know in the comments, Twitter, or email. Our Twitter handles are show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I, or you can email us at info at letmenowhowitis.com. All right. So speaking of voices that we can't unhear, <laughs> there's this guy named Kevin Conroy. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> who's been voicing Batman for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's also terrific. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, other than also, like, he can still somehow like he still gets the voice like he can still yeah. hit it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't sound all that different from how it sounded in 92. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You still still, you know, again, throughout the games and just League, just League Unlimited, all that good stuff. He just sounds really great still as Batman and, you know, occasionally Bruce Wayne. Right. Mm-hmm. And he did his old Batman voice back in the day when he was still yeah. younger. Like he did yeah. it for Batman yeah. Beyond. And like he doesn't sound Ooh. that old. No. <laughs> Once yeah. he really got that old, he doesn't sound that old. Yeah, he was one where I didn't know anything he'd come from. And I still like I look up his credits and like I, he did a lot of soap opera work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I might have in my younger days seen him in that he was part of was tour of duty, the TV series. Okay. Uh, because he does appear to have been in 12 episodes of that. So I, I do remember watching that one. That might be the only thing I would have ever seen him in before, before the show. Which one's tour of duty? Uh, tour of duty was one of the Vietnam shows. Is that the one with, um, with, uh, what's her name? Dana Laney or no? No, that was China Beach. That was the ah, okay. other that was the other Vietnam show. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know him from anything. I, I never heard of him before. Um had no clue, no no frame of reference. But you know, you hear him as Batman. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, and then what's what's great about it is not know how much direction he got or, or received or whatever, but you hear him as Bruce, and it's just so, you know, it's so feeds into the idea of like, no, Bruce is the mask. <laughs> Versus, you know, Bruce is the, the 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 personality he doesn't really deal with or you know want to deal with all that much, whereas Batman's the one he's like, no, he's put time into that, right? Yeah, that's one that um they kind of fell away from that as the stuff went on, mm-hmm. right? Like once the show um came back on Kids WB and had like the redesign stuff um even though a lot of people call that the new Batman adventures, I'm like, that's dumb. It's Batman, the animated series. It's the same continuity. I don't know why you guys say a different name. (laughs) Um, that's just me. Sorry. But like, so at that point, that was when sort of the, the Bruce Wayne voice was a little different, but it was a lot closer to what Batman sounded like. Mm -hmm. And I kind of missed like, like I miss in that, um, on leather wings, that first episode, there's a bit where like somebody calls him up. Mm. like on the phone looking yep. for Bruce Wayne and he's in the oh, Batcave yeah. as Batman, but he's, he just does, he like seamlessly does the Bruce Wayne voice talking to this guy. Yeah. Right. And I really, really love that bit. That's a good bit. Right. Yeah. It switches the gear right yeah. in front of you. Like it's nothing. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's so jarring just seeing yeah. like the contrast. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, they don't have to tell you, but like, you know, that's like, you get it. Like you just immediately get it without mm. them explaining anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's a great one. Like, uh, I, I I do hear voices uh, when I when I read comics. I do try and like, um, you know, sometimes I try and cast on my own too. Like, that's the weird thing. Like, <laughs> you know, right. but he's a hard one to not like. It, man, it's hard to not hear Kevin Conroy when I read Batman. Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, and there's been a lot of good people that have voiced Batman <laughs> too. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I, I do think he's head and shoulders above everybody, but you know, I mean, there's been a lot of great ones too that, mm. that I don't, th- I mean, his shadow is just so, so huge oh, yeah. <laughs> that he casts over everybody that I don't know that really anybody that's played the character gets the love. Right. You know? Well, again, it's one of those things where up until, you know, up until they did the, the CW, you know, crisis of infinite earths. <laughs> right. it's, he never got an opportunity to even play Batman in live action. And then in that plays him in live action and does the voice as, you know, as a, as a sort of a, it's, it's a, it's a, in the same neighborhood as Batman beyond, you know, it, kind mm-hmm. of that, but he's great. I mean, he's really, really good as being Batman as well as being, you know, doing the voice still. So it's awesome. I, I think that, that I liked it a lot. I don't know, but I don't think anyone else, anyone else, Clifton may have seen it, but I don't know if anyone else saw it. Yeah, I did see it. It was definitely like a fun tribute after all these years of, mm-hmm. of just hearing him as the character for him to actually get to be it. And in a way mm-hmm. that made sense and in a way that made sense with him being older mm-hmm. and being, you know, throwback to Batman Beyond, like you said, like it was it was a really nice tribute to see. I was glad they were able to do it and oh, yeah. went with it. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um. Yeah, um, I, d- I do have to say, I think Lauren Lester is a really, really great Robin <laughs> also. Mm-hmm. And he just I don't <laughs> think he gets talked about it as much either. I think, you know, um, you know, I, I I told you guys we were ending on Kevin Conroy. So I'm surprising you guys. But yeah, I mean, since we were on voices, I wanted to get Robin in here, too, because I actually thought like, you know, he he just he just sounded cool. <laughs> right. You know. Like that, like this was the first time, like I wanted to be Robin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's that thing that they say in comics where like, you know, they came up with Robin because they thought kids couldn't picture themselves as Batman. And so they gave, they came up with Robin as a sidekick character that was a kid so that kids could imagine themselves as Robin teaming up with Batman. And I'm like, that's stupid. That's so <laughs> dumb. I imagined myself as Batman. That's how imagination works. Right. Right. Like. I didn't I didn't have the stop in me. I'm a kid. I can't be Batman. But like so <laughs> all that to say, though, I mean, like that was the first time I was like, you know, when when we were playing with the action figures with my friends and stuff like that, like I didn't mind being Robin. Yeah. 
You know, like mm-hmm. this version was really great. I thought. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Robin's Reckoning is a really good two-parter. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it's a good. It's a. It's probably one of the. It's probably the best. Um, outside of comics origin, we got for Robin ever, probably. Mm-hmm. And I like, like, sort of like uh, uh, the hinting at the long history that they have together. Even though when we see him, he's he's in college. Yeah, and you know, I think very smartly they they aged him up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I guess it's the other wonderful thing too that is just kind of occurring to me as we're talking about it. Like, you know, so often people approach Batman as like early in his career. We're doing kind of like year one or if not year one, it's like year two or year three, right? We're <laughs> right. really early. And this is, yeah, I mean, this is, this is not that, I mean, like he's, he's been Batman for a while, even in the first episode, right. mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of cool. So any, uh, any final thoughts before we start closing out? It's okay. Cause we have a whole nother episode to get into. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so quick reminder. So part two, not coming next week, coming the week after next, because we're doing D23 reactions uh, next week. So uh, as always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on letmeknowhowitis.com. Just please remember to like us and follow us on social media, and we will see you guys next week for D23 and two weeks for uh, Batman Animated Series part two. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.